Welcome to Pursuit Church Mornington Podcast with Pastor Brian Carden. The message you're about to hear will help you build your faith in Christ and grow in the knowledge of His will. Let's go right into the message. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 through 2. I'm going to speak about David. This is not too long after he had defeated Goliath, the giant, and Saul has found out that he is going to be king, and he is jealous, and he has tried to kill him, and Jonathan, his son, warned David and told him, get out of here, flee, you're going to die, and David departed from Saul, from his homeland, from his place where he was being praised, from the place where people knew him, from the place where he conquered the enemies, the Philistines, from his family, and he's found in this place, in a cave. And starting in verse 1, it says this, David departed from there and escaped the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. Notice three different types of people. Everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to David, and he became the commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Later you read that these would be called the men of valor, mighty men of valor. I find it interesting that this word adulam means refuge, say refuge. David has fled from his king from the one that he killed a giant for. Now, he killed it for God, but he also killed it for the nation of Israel. He's done so much for this nation and for his king, even ministered to him with musical instruments when he was in time of stress and overwhelmed. He ministered to him and ministered for him. But now Saul in jealousy and rage, knowing that his kingship is going to be taken, that he is no longer anointed to be the king, that God had used Samuel to anoint David. Come on, how many know the story? He was anointed to be king. And then they started singing about David, how he kills 10,000 more than Saul. And it caused jealousy and rage to where he went into an anger and frustration that said, I'm going to kill him. So we find David in this cave of refuge. A cave of refuge, a place where he's hiding from his king, he's hiding from everybody. Even in the prior verse, he was running from them. It said that he got scared and terrified that he started to act like a madman. How many of you read that? He started acting like a lunatic. He started foaming at the mouth. He started acting crazy just to get out of their presence. So David's in this cave full of fear, worry, anxiety, doesn't know what to do. He's done everything right. 
He's followed after God. He's pursued God. He's been honorable to his king. He's been courageous and bold for the people. But now he's here in a cave all by himself. The Spirit of God told me that there are people like that today. That you are in a cave and the perspective and how you are seeing yourself in that cave, God wants to change within your life. Maybe the cave that you're in today is a place where just like David was, a place of refuge. It's a place of refuge. Because here, you see David begin to pray and sing prayers to God. There's two mentioned, Psalms 57 and Psalms 142. Let's read Psalms 142. Psalms 142. This is important to get an understanding of where David was in this moment. Psalms 142 says, With my voice I cry out to the Lord. With my voice I plead for mercy to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I tell my trouble before him. When my spirit faints within me, you know my way. In the path where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Another translation says a snare for me. Verse 4, I look to the right and see there is no one who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. I cry to you, O Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Notice at the beginning of this, he's crying out to God. He's in this cave of Adullam, this place of refuge. I guarantee you the human emotion is fear, anxiety, doesn't know what to do. Scared for his life, all he knows to do is to cry out to God. See, when it comes to intercession, when it comes to praying, you as a believer have to get in a place with God despite what you are feeling, despite what you are going through, despite the situation and the circumstance that you are surrounded by. It may be similar to something like David. Maybe not in the same manner where there was an army trying to kill you, there was a king trying to kill you. They have banished you, you've had to run away. Maybe it's different. Maybe it could be within your own physical body, sickness and disease. Maybe it could be within your mind of what you have believed people's words to become true within your life, that you're a failure, that you'll never amount to anything. See, I came here today to encourage you. I came here today to exhort you. I came here today to comfort you in the Holy Ghost to tell you that you have a place where you can run to. You have a refuge that you can turn to. You have a shepherd you can go to. The Bible says in Psalms 23 that the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. See, you have to get like David where you cry and you speak out to the Lord. Notice that David uses his mouth. He uses his mouth. 
You're going to have to begin to speak. When we pray, and we pray for a nation, or we pray for the government, we pray for high officials, we pray for our council. Do you know that you don't just say prayers within your heart, you say them out loud. There's a sound that comes from your heart. There's a sound that comes from within you. It's a sound of boldness. It's a sound of fervency. It's a sound of persuasion. It's a sound that has full reliance and confidence in God's word. That's the sound. See, David had a sound when he attacked Goliath. He had a sound. He spoke to the giant. He said, I'm going to cut your head off by the end of this. He spoke in faith. He spoke like it already happened before it even happened. See, this is what we must do as a believer when it comes to praying. You must begin to speak in faith. You must begin to see your situation in faith through the word of God, through the will of God, through Jesus Christ, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Where are you at right now? You may be in a cave today, but how are you responding to situations, to God right now? Are you crying out? Are you speaking to God? Notice David started with a cry, but he ended himself with a praise. He started in human emotion. He started in fear, but it ended in praise unto God. It's okay if you start your prayers in grief and sorrow and pain and hopelessness, but it's how you end them. It's how you come out of that place of intimacy with the Father. That's why sometimes you're going to have to pray longer than five minutes, longer than ten minutes, longer than one hour, longer than five hours, longer than three weeks, longer than a month, longer than a year. You're going to have to learn how to build and create an atmosphere within your life of praying, of interceding. You do this for your children. You do this for your spouse. You do this for your job. You do this for your church, for people you love, for people that are not Christians, for the unbeliever. See, you should have a burden right now for every person that is out there that is not saved. Doesn't it tear you up to know that there's people dying and going to hell? And you know some of them really close. Because that's the truth. If they don't confess Lord Jesus or Jesus as Lord, they don't go to heaven. I didn't write the Bible. He did. And whatever he says, that is his will. And God is just for what he says. He is just. See, this is why the church has to be a church that prays. This is why the church has to be a church that intercedes. You cannot just serve God and think it's your works that is going to get you by. No. I just I gave Allison or Allie a word just a second ago, and I'm going to bring it back out because this is also for everyone here. There was a story of Mary and Martha. Mary was at the feet of Jesus. Martha was working. And Jesus praised Mary rather than Martha. Martha was more concerned about the work, but Mary was more concerned about the intimacy and hearing the words of Jesus. She was at his feet. Where are you today? You can say all the things that you do right. Man, look at what I do for God. I go to church on Sundays. I serve in this department. Man, I pray 10 times a day. I fast. I do all these things, and that's good, but where is your heart with God? 
Is it because of God, this is my relationship with you, it's just works? Or is it because of the relationship with you ha- that you have with God produces works? How do you see your relationship with God? Is it God, if I do all this, you'll bless me? You'll love me more? You'll accept me? Or is it God, because I know you've accepted me, I know that you've blessed me, I know what you've done through Christ Jesus, that I just want to be in your presence. I just want to love you. I just want to serve you. How do you see it today? Are you like Mary or are you like Martha? David's in this cave. And it says that his brothers and all of his father's house heard it and they went down there to him. Now, most archaeologists believe that the cave of Adullam was not too far from the place where David defeated Goliath in the hills of Judah. David couldn't help but consider how far he had come from a great victory to running around like a criminal hiding in a cave. He just got done not too long ago killing a giant, being praised by the people, and now he's a criminal running for his life. See, within your life, there are going to be moments when people attack you. There are going to be people that come against you. And there will even be the enemy, Satan, that will come and attack you. And he will use people to do so. He will. See, even in those moments, you can still turn to God. God is your refuge. Say, God is my refuge. It says, and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul. God called an unlikely and a unique group to David in that cave. I can tell you as a pastor, that's three people that I would not want to have in the natural. Because that's going to be three of the most difficult people to work with. I'm just being honest. It would. I mean, come on. I'm going to send you to distressed. going to see the people that are in debt with life, just, just overwhelmed. And I'm also going to send you people that are bitter. That sounds a lot like the vision that God's given this church. My sheep are scattered. Because of the hireling. And I've sent you. I've sent this church. I've given the vision for this house. I'm sending you, us. Remember, it's not just Pastor Brian, one man. It's the church. Bring them on, is what I say. Because they need the love of God. They need a place. They need to know that their refuge is in Christ Jesus. They need a place that's going to equip them for the work of the ministry. It's going to love them and comfort them and prophesy over them. What's the last time you prophesied over body, over somebody? And I'm not talking about like fortune telling and being and getting like that. No, I'm talking about just speaking over their life, telling them who they are in Christ. That's what prophecy is. It's where you comfort them, you encourage them, you exhort them, you build them up. Have you done that this week? I hope you have. When's the last time someone's done it to your life and spoken into your life? See, that's why we're here. This is why the church is here. Not only to worship God, because that is the sole purpose of the church, is to worship God, to come here on a Sunday morning and to bring glory and praise to his name, but also to equip the body. It's going to take every single one of us. Now, everyone who is distressed, everyone who's in debt, and everyone who is disconnected gathered to him. See, I guarantee you David would not have chosen these men for himself. (laughs) But they were the ones that God called to him. They were the ones God called to him. See, whatever God says goes. God has given us a word for this year, multiplication. 
if we're, and how we steward that word determines what will happen. Next year, we already have a word of what God's going to do. And this is why we've been praying all year, getting ourselves ready for next year. But let me tell you that whatever God says, we'll do it. We won't do it because of people. We won't do it because of opinions and ideas. Because if we compromise, well, we won't fulfill what God's called us to do. We won't. If you compromise in your life towards God, you won't fulfill his will for your life. You won't. You got to get to a place where there is a fear of God in you. What I mean by fear, I'm talking about an reverence, an awe, an honor, an obedience, a love. Do you fear man or God more? How do you know you fear God or man more? Look at the different parts of your life. When it comes to money, when the Bible says you got to tithe, you got to offer, you got to sow, do you fear that if you do, I'm going to not have enough? Well, that would tell me who's Lord of your life then. Either the system of this world, your job, or God. I mean, it's plain and simple. It's really not that difficult. Because when you fully trust God, like how you do for salvation, it flows into every other area of your life. Take money aside. Let's talk about healing in your body. How do you believe his word when it comes to healing for your body? Yeah, but I'm sick in my body. I feel it. I know. But what does his word say? Because his word is his will. His word is his will. You want to know the will of God? Go to his word. And whatever his word says, that's it. See, the problem is we don't want to take, his, take him at his word. We want to begin to reason and begin to say, well, maybe there's more interpretation for that. Maybe that's not exactly what it's saying. No, we got to get to a place where we take him at his word and we are led by the Holy Spirit to receive that word. Now look, it says these men were distressed, meaning their own lives weren't easy or together. They had problems of their own, yet God still called them to David. Today you may be a distressed person. You have your own problems. You have your own things that you're going through. But let me tell you, God's called you here. He's called you here. Not to do it on your own, but to be with others. The next word is debt. See, they haven't seen a lot of success in the past, and they were stung from the past failures. They still felt the past failures in their life. They were still holding on to everything. Does that sound familiar? Maybe that's you today, that you're still holding on to all the past failures that you've done. That's not what God wants for you. No, that's why he sent his son, Jesus, so that you would walk in freedom, not bound up by what you've done, not bound up by all the just mess that you have put up with or done in your own life. Let me help you. I've heard it said this way, that God will bring you out of your mess to give you a message. Who's ever heard that before? God will bring you out of a mess to give you a message. Meaning if you have gone through something and you've come out of it, you got a message today. you got a testimony today of the goodness of God within your life. Come on, how many can testify that today? 
These men were discontent or discontented. The Hebrew word for discontented means bitter of soul. They knew the bitterness of life and they were not satisfied with their lives or even with their king. They wanted something different and something better and called them to David at the cave. Today, I believe there's men and women here that God's called you to this church. Not to a ministry, not to a a name, to a pastor in that aspect, but to a church. He has set you in this body. And maybe you have come full of bitterness. He's going to help you, if you allow him to, to cut the root of the bitterness. To be free. To be free and to be able to, again, serve him. See, there are some here today that have been in ministry but no longer are in ministry because of bitterness. But I believe that through the healing and through the comfort and through the word of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, if you will allow it, it will help you get to a place where you're able to walk and be healthy and to do the work of God within your life because God's not done with you. Just because you have gone through things, just because you feel like my time's done, no, it's a lie. It's just begun. And he's continuing what he has started. He's continuing what he has started. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 24, Rejoice always. Say rejoice. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. What's the will of God? Rejoice. Pray. Rejoice, pray, give thanks. Man, that sounds like a lot of joy in a lot of life, doesn't it? It does. How did your prayer life look this week when you got done with it? Was it, whoo, man, hallelujah, praise you, thank you, God. I'm a child of God. I got the mind of Christ. I can have what he says I can have. I can do what he says I can do. God, I know you're working. I know you're performing. Just like you were faithful to Abraham, God, you're faithful to me because of your promises, God. You stand by your word. Or is it, well, I hope it works. Man, that was a really long prayer. I'm tired. I fell asleep there in the middle of it. I was only 10 minutes in. I got to my Bible app, but then somehow I got back on Instagram. I'm testifying to myself right there. <laughs> the only reason why I can say those things is because I'm calling myself out. <laughs> I promise, I'm not preaching myself too. It's all right. I get it. I, I get it, man. I do. It's so easy to get distracted. I was reading a book this week, and he's talking about praying and how one of the biggest Issues to a person's prayer life is distraction. Distraction. It's so true. Distraction. Let us not be distracted people where we can't hear from God and experience God and see God, know God. God wants you to know him. But he can only reveal himself and show himself through intimacy. That's the only way. He won't just do it just because, you know, you're good looking and you you know so many things and you're intelligent. Now, you're going to have to get into intimacy, fellowship with him. You're going to have to draw from him. You're going to have to get, the Bible says draw close to him, and he will what? Draw close to you. You have to abide in him. Notice everything starts with you. (laughs) You initiate it, and he 
responds. Now, you could just say, well, if he don't want to do it, he didn't want me to have it. (laughs) Well, that's pride. And tell me what type of relationship works that way. There's no such thing. If my wife wants my love, she's going to have to earn it. Do the dishes. Mop the floor. Do the laundry. Because I'm a man and that's what women should do. Good luck with that one. It won't work that way. I'm dad and my kids better listen to me. I'm the man of the house. Oh, yeah. I'll tell them what to do because I can do it now. That's what my dad did to me. And that's what his dad did to him. Isn't it funny that you can actually stop that chain and you can actually love your kids differently than how your father loved you or how his father loved him? You can. Do your kids see you pray? Or do you tell them, oh, don't, hey, this is my time with God, get away? I understand there's times of that, but do they see you pray and see God? Does your spouse see you pray? Do you all pray together? Do you seek God together? Do your kids see you seeking God and just crying in intimacy with God? I remember seeing that growing up. Because I saw, and, when I, because, and because of the reason I saw that, it changed me for saying, or seeing that it was more than just a book. It was more than just a theology. It was more than just a philosophy. God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit were three in one. He was a man. Jesus was a man. The Holy Spirit was in me. So it wasn't just knowledge, but it was also revelation. It was experience. It was encountering him. Your kids should see that in your life. Your husband should see that. Your wife should see that. The people around you should see that. Verse 19 in 1 Thessalonians says, do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, and he will surely do it. Adam... David is in this cave, but God called him and anointed him to be a king. God is faithful to what his word is. God is faithful to what he has spoken. Just like how he spoke creation, guess what? It happened. Just like he spoke you into existence, guess what? You're here. And the same word that God spoke over creation and over me and you today, he spoke to David. David was going to be king. He wasn't going to die. No, God has already spoken. God already anointed him for kingship. See, God is speaking over your life, and God is faithful to perform in your life. He is. What do you believe today? Do you believe the circumstance? Do you believe what your body's telling you? Do you believe what someone else is telling you? Or do you believe in his word? Because whatever you're believing today, that's how you're praying, that's how you're interceding. What do you believe about this nation? What do you believe about this peninsula? See, God put it in my heart at the beginning of the week. I was praying and just seeking God. And the Holy Spirit said, you do not have a burden for this place. When I heard that, I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have a burden for this place. I'm being serious. I was praying and the Holy Spirit said, you do not have a burden for this place. And I'm like, what? My home? Like, what are you talking about? Because I'm at the house. I'm not understanding. And he said, you don't have a burden for the peninsula. He said, you've had a burden for the vision of the house. 
with Pastor Brian and Pastor Chrissy and for where I've called you on to. Because for me, it was to support the vision, always. You have a burden for the people within the house of God, but not for the area. And I just started thinking, honestly, I really never thought about it. I'll go wherever God wants me to go. You know, if it's Morrington Peninsula, awesome. If it's, you know, anywhere else, I'll go. It's really just about being connected to the body. But God was opening my eyes to something different. To have a burden for this place, for the people. Every single person are in this area. And what does that mean? To pray for them, to intercede for them, to seek for their salvation, to pray for their salvation. When God told me that, man, I, just, I felt, honestly, I just felt guilty. <laughs> I said, Father, forgive me. And now I've changed my attitude. And since that day, I've been praying for this area, that the peninsula is going to see revival, that the peninsula is going to see God move, that they're going to see the hand of God. Yeah, we've said it, but do you have a burden for it? What am I about a burden? Is there a weight on you that where you can't go to bed without praying over it? When you wake up in the morning, that's what you're thinking about. Or is it about, man, how am I going to make my pancakes today? Seriously, though, what, 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 it's a burden. And I know if God's putting that in within me and helping me see it, I got to put it in you. I got to put it in you. Is life so fragile and so, let's say, yeah, is life so fragile that you can't just put a little more intimacy and time with God? Is your job so busy to where you can't just be with God? If it is, you're going to have to change your schedule. You say, how can you say that? Really? Because what is a job going to be the outcome for? More money? More success? More cars? More houses? More retirement fund? You can work 16 hours a day straight, blood, sweat, and tears, and be so far from God. Is there anything wrong working 16 hour days? No, my dad did it for many years. And still went to Bible school, still went to church three times a week, still went Saturday morning to prayer. So, yeah, look. And that's saying, oh, well, that's just your dad. No, anyone could do it. It's about the condition of your heart. Is God first? Because for me and my house, God's first. For this church, God's first. Always. His will, His will comes first. The Bible says in Matthew 6, but seek first, say first, the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. All these things. I mean, that, that's plain. I don't have to go even expound on that. That's easy to understand. Psalms 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Look at that. Delight yourself in the Lord. Be with, in intimacy with God. Be with him and he will give you desires of your heart. You know, a lot of times we've read this and we say, well, God's just going to give me anything I want. No. What ends up happening, when you get in the presence of God and get into intimacy with God, he begins to change your desires. <laughs> and he begins to change how you look at life and how you want things and how you just want to succeed. All these He changes it all. He's like, actually, that's not my will for you at all. <laughs> I've actually called you to do something different. So these men come to him, to David. They were being hunted and despised, and they're all together with David. And we know that once David came to the throne, that these men became 
the mighty men of valor. He became a captain over them. See, I believe it's the same here. When we come together, you come to a place where God has given the five-fold ministry to lead you, to help you, to train you. Seriously, that's how God ordained it. That's how he set it up. That's his structure for good government within the church. And I know sometimes we don't like that because we do not like submission. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but God and his sovereignty and his goodness set it up that way because he knew that it would keep his church from becoming corrupt. It will keep his church from become, becoming a man idea, becoming a thing about men. See, God set it up that way. How do I know today that God has called you? How do I know that? How do I know that God's called me? Because his word says so. See, when a God called me to be a pastor, I remember it. And I did not want to do it at all. I had no desire. And there's many of you today that God has called you to ministry. And they're not necessarily, I'm not talking about pastor or anything like that. But there might be some of you here that feel the call to be a pastor, that feel a call to be an evangelist, that feel a call to be an apostle, whatever the case may be. And here, we're going to help you grow in that. This next year, we're going to put a huge emphasis on expanding. We are. But it's going to take, just like even Rich said earlier, it's going to take every single one of us. I can't do it all, and I don't want to do it all. I want God to use you because God has given every single one of you in this house a specific gift, talent, and grace that I don't have. Church is never supposed to be about one person. This is supposed to be the body. It really is. But God can only use you at the level that you sacrifice and surrender your life to him. So while you can sit there and complain and do all those things and grumble, the children of Israel did it, or you can say, you know what? I know what I got to do. I got to grow. I got to develop. I got to mature because there's people out there that need the gospel. There's people in here that need me to grow. My family needs me to grow. See, every single part of David's life is important. Not one of these moments in his life don't mean anything. He had to go through all of this to become who he was. He had to. Just like you're going to have to go through every part of your life, every season, high seasons, low seasons. You're going to go through things. But it's part of your growth. And can I be honest with you? Some of the best growth in your life is going to be in the low seasons. It really will be. That's where you learn how to overcome offense. That's where you learn how to overcome fear. That's where you learn how to put your complete trust and confidence in God. <laughs> I know it's difficult. But those are some of the greatest moments in your life where you'll grow. See, God called and anointed David. When the ark had to be built, God didn't call 400 men. When Israel needed deliverance from Egypt, God didn't call a committee. Over and over again in Scripture, God's, God's work is led 
by the called and the anointed. The called and the anointed. Noah, Moses, Abraham, they were called by God. Can I help you today? God has called and anointed you. He has put his spirit in you. So if you ever feel like you're not called and anointed, that's a lie. That there's only some people know, it's every single one of us. Isn't that a beautiful thing? sure I say everything to you. See, David, in this cave, we read the Psalms 142, and you, you can read that again later. But whatever the source was, whatever the issue was with his complaint, David did the right thing. He brought it before the Lord. His complaint, his anger, his fear, he brought it before the Lord. You're going to have to bring it before the Lord. What is it today? What are you believing today that you need to let go? Maybe it's some sort of idea. Maybe it's some, some sort of perspective. Maybe it's an anger and an offense that you have towards somebody. Maybe you're scared because you just haven't gotten and seen God work in your life like you want him to. Maybe you're expecting God to do something and it hasn't happened yet. And you're upset now to where you've got bitter in the soul. I believe God's saying this today. Come to me. Come to me. Bring it before me. Bring it before me. See, When you come with your complaint, it's not meant to tell God what he doesn't already know. <laughs> no, it's for you, the complainer, <laughs> to come before God and find relief. He already knows. He knows you. It's for you to come to him and find joy, peace, life, fulfillment, freedom, it's not like you're going there telling him something he doesn't know. <laughs> he knows you. You're coming to that place. Literally, again, a divine exchange. I'm exchanging everything of myself, of my flesh, of my own will, of my own pride, of my own personal ideas and saying, God, here you go. I'll bring it before you. Dave had to do the same thing. The Bible says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. David had no provisions, he had no followers, and he had no place to turn. He had nowhere to go besides this cave. And in this cave... Not only did he sing and praise God and pray to him, but God brought men to him to comfort him, to be with him, to show that he wasn't alone. You're not alone. 
You know, and even we think sometimes that we're doing this alone, that we're the only church. We're not. There's churches all around the region, guys, that are preaching the Word of God, that are full of the Spirit of God, that are desiring and seeking God the same way we are, I promise you. Well, they are. There are. We're not the only one. And let's not be prideful enough to think that we're the only ones doing it. No. I believe we're coming into a time where God's going to use not just one local church, but multiple local churches in a region to fulfill his will. I really do. I was praying that a couple of days ago, and I felt that strong in my heart that there are going to be multiple churches that come together for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of preaching the name of Jesus, and it is going to bring deliverance and freedom to people's lives. They're going to see a unity come in the body. I'm talking about the universal body, where it's going to go across denomination. You're saying, really? Yeah, why not? Thank you for listening to today. If you are wanting more of these timely messages and teachings, go to our website at Pursuit Church Mornington to find all the other ways you can access Pursuit Church ministry and messages.